You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. So Groundhog Day. Yes, Yes. and good morning to everybody. Good morning to our listener. Groundhog Day. I was so excited I cut you off there. It's going to be a, a short winter. I'm very excited about that. Uh, me too. Actually, it's been a really good winter. I can't complain, but uh, I, I just, you know. Did you catch yourself watching the movie like I did? Which one? The Groundhog, Groundhog Day? Day? Oh, no. I was yeah. watching all sports this weekend. All sports. And uh, out watching a, a terrible movie, which I won't mention. But, uh, yeah, no, I didn't. Um, it's something that I, 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 I always uh, peruse the channels. And, and fortunately, it was, one, it was on one of the uh, streaming services. Of so course. I was able to, able to catch <laughs> that on, uh, at, my, at my own. Your own free time? You had yeah. free time this weekend, did yeah. you? That's well, nice I, yeah. to hear. I, I made time for myself this time, so it was good. You're always so busy. Did, yeah. I, did I tell you that um, I went floating for the first time? Oh, please do, do share that do share? experience. Well, yes. Do you remember? Well, what, are we into our third year now on the show? Is well, we started three? March 2017, so perhaps, yes. In a sense. Almost three years. Almost yeah. three years, yes. You have so much better memory. So one of our first shows was on floating, right? The sensory mm-hmm. deprivation, floating in the Himalayan salt thing. And, um, oh, yes. I, yeah, the whole concept kind of freaked me out. Um, although I've always wanted to try it. So uh, up in Collingwood, they've opened a new float place. So I uh, tackled my demons and I went floating. Good for you. It's it's a very unique experience. She warned us. She said the first because my husband and I did too. Uh, he did it as well. So she said, "Listen, it's it's unique. Um, it was in one of those pods, so you have to to close the lid, which was my biggest, well, one of my biggest concerns. Um, and it's it's amazing how uh, I found a little bit disorienting. Like I slept for a little bit." And then I woke up, and I had no concept of what time it was. And then I started filling. They have little little buttons, so if you want the music on, or if you want to turn up the lights a little bit. So I started fiddling with that. Right. It's uh, it plays with it played with my mind, anyways. And I knew that would be the biggest thing is for me mm-hmm. to to get a concept. But I thought if they could just tell me how much time I had left, then I could settle down. But I wasn't. But it was it was very interesting. It was a very oh, I think interesting that's the process thing to do. of not necessarily knowing. So that you can try and get lost in the moment rather than I guess rather than anticipating the end, right? Because I do that though. Yeah. It's like it's like when I, I'm exercising or I'm especially if I'm running. Yeah, I'm not one that just runs and it's like. I'm so happy to be out here and I can, you know, get rid of anything on my mind or I can, I'm just thinking, okay, let's make it to that next point and then to that next point. And then I've only got this far left to go. So that's a challenge that I've always had. But, uh, you know, I tackled my, my, a fear wasn't a fear. It was sort of a, 
well, don't know what it was, but I tackled it's, it. It's an uncertainty, right? It's, yeah. it's a new experience. And for me to adjust to new experiences too is both exciting and yet uh, nerve wracking uh, at the same know, time. Yeah. Well, I, I thought, but, can I get that lid open? Yeah. Can I make sure I got that lid open? Um, yeah. So anyways, I did. I thought, you know, I, I remember um, him saying when we did the show, come down. I was like, mm, I'm not there yet. So three years later. I jumped on the ship and I sailed. Well done. Well done. (laughs) Anyways, today's show is live. Our number is 416-245-1534. Please do follow us. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC uh, on all three destinations. And email us at thh at radiomaria.ca if you'd like to uh, drop a line about a show topic or anything else you might want to chat about. And please do subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is uh, radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. So I have uh, I found an interesting study. I'm always looking for things to chat about uh, at the beginning of the show, and uh, this one caught my eye. And the title of the study is Solving a Biological Puzzle, How Stress Causes Gray Hair. So I'm going to try and weed through all this stuff and bring you the, the, the key points. So forgive me if I... Uh, stumble and pause and ah, but I'm trying to work through this and, you know, I guess a better prepared person would have pulled points, but not me. <laughs> Anyways, um, so this was done. Uh, you can do it, Kat. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to try. Uh, I've, I've scribbled things down. Uh, this was a Harvard University study. So the the idea is, is that, you know, we all, a lot of us who are gray under our color, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've heard the saying, you know, your, your kids are causing, you turn my hair gray and, and things like that. Well, they wanted to find out if that, in fact, was a truism because there did seem to be some, some links. Yes. So um, what they did was they had three premises, basically, or two, two premises. And then the third one that they, they landed on was the right one. So they wanted to um, first test the height. Now, these are all mouse studies. So the first hypothesis was that stress causes an immune response. And that immune response attacks the pigment producing cells in our hair. So the pigment cells are the, the, the color. So they tested that hypothesis and they found that no, that really did not have an impact on uh, graying hair. So then their second hypothesis was the stress cortisol link. Okay. So finding out if, uh, you know, we've talked about this a gazillion times on the show, when you're under stress, your adrenals release cortisol, and um, until they're completely exhausted, then they can't. But in that cortisol um, stress connection, they wanted to find out if that, in fact, was what was causing these stem cells. So there's stem cells that differentiate into pigment coloring cells. Um, so what they did was that they removed the adrenals from some mice, put them under stress, and that did not impede hair turning gray. So then they decided that they were going to study the sympathetic nervous system. And that's our, um, we see a tiger and we think we're going to turn tail and run. You know, our eyes widen, our the blood goes from our gut into our hands, and we, we turn tail and we're out of there. Yeah. So the fight or flight response. And they found that sympathetic nerves that branch out into the hair follicles are what is at issue here. 
So I'm going to, again, try and put this into a quick term. So what they did find was these sympathetic nerve branches, they'll go into the follicles of the, of the, the skin, and the stress from this sympathetic nerve fight-or-flight response causes the chemical norepinephrine mm-hmm. to be, uh, you know, it's, norepinephrine is, is released, and it's taken up by these pigment cells. And what they found was that the, this duress and the norepinephrine really attacked these pigment-producing cells. And in fact, they, they caused them to turn very quickly into uh, the stem cells to differentiate very quickly. Are you following me here? Am I making sense? Basically, what this fight-or-flight response did was it, it sucked up the reserve of our pigment cells. Mm-hmm. So in fact, it caused premature graying. So envision a well with fish, okay. and this the, these fish are being fished out really, really, really quickly. I guess not a well, a pond, really right. quickly, and then the, the fish are depleted. And right. that's what they found it mm-hmm. was. So the, this fight-or-flight norepinephrine connection depletes our pigment-producing cells mm. and causes us to go prematurely gray. I'm not sure what the moral of that story is. Uh, obviously, you know, we don't want to be under stress, but, um, you know, maybe if you're lucky enough not to have gray hairs yet, you can put that into your pocket. Those of us who, um, you know, I'm not saying it's me under my color, but those of us who do have some gray hair, it's mm-hmm. too late, apparently, by this study. So interesting. I found that very interesting. Well, thanks for sharing, Kathy. You're not gray, are you? Uh, not yet. You got no stress out going on, eh? No fight or flight? Alex lives a happy, happy, stressless life. Well, <laughs> and apparently, mine, I was under great duress. <laughs> apparently, I have a, a one or two coming through. One or two coming but, through? Uh, There's got to be genetics in there, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for sure. There's genetics in there, too, for sure. But th- this study, I thought, was, was really quite interesting. Another link between stress and our body responses. It's, it, they're so... It's unending. Yeah, yeah, it's just unending. Anyways, on to our show today. Our guest today is Spiro Kalouris. He is a leading gout diet expert, author, and blogger at goutandyou.com. He's dedicated his life to inspiring people to obtain a healthy lifestyle and living a gout-free life. Called the rich man's disease, gout is considered one of the most painful of the rheumatic conditions and is rapidly growing problem that afflicts an alarming number of people. I, I don't know much about gout. This is all going to be very new and interesting to me. It's greatly affected. Gout is greatly affected by diet, and those with the disease are often prescribed drugs that need to be taken for the rest of a person's life. The side effects creating additional problems. Spiro has battled with the disease for years and has dedicated himself to becoming educated, informed, and informed on the subject. He has become an expert in the different home remedies, medicines, health practices, and experiments from around the world. As the founder of GoatAndYou.com, Spiro has intent, is intent on educating the goat sufferers in the hope of beating this terrible disease, and I'm sure he's got some prevention in there. So it's going to be a very interesting topic. As I said, not, not something that I'm extremely familiar with at all. So our learning points are going to be, obviously, what is goat? What are some common risk factors for goat? What are some integrative approaches for dealing with out along with uh, many other interesting topics. So we will be back to you in a few minutes. There's no space that his love can't reach. There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. Take 
to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Our number is 416-245-1534 if you'd like to call in. And as mentioned earlier, please do follow us on our social sites. We are at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at The Health Hub RMC. Spiro, welcome to the show this morning. Hey. Hi, Kathy. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you? All right. Great. Doing great. Yeah. I'm here to help out your listeners and talk about gout. Excellent. As I said in the beginning of the show, it's it's not something clinically I don't I've never seen anybody with gout. So, um uh, yeah, it, well, it's it's not my area, but uh, yeah, still in all and and that's why um it's 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 a very interesting topic for me. Where are you calling from? Where are we talking to? I'm in the Montreal area in and, Quebec. Oh, fellow Canadian. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So that's maybe I don't know. Do you want to start talking with what gout is? Will that lead sure. us into to yeah. how you got involved into this area? It's it's an interesting uh, story. Sure. So gout is basically uh, an inflammatory arthritis caused by small crystals of a chemical called uric acid. Everybody has uric acid in the blood. It's just when you suffer from gout, you have too much uric acid that the kidneys can't fill, uh, basically through the urine. Uh, so that excess uric acid stays in the blood and then it crystallizes in the joints and then you get a gout attack. Usually gout will hit the big toe or the foot area, um, sometimes the knee, a lot of times the knee, but it could also affect the elbow, uh, hands, uh, and other joints in the body. Uh, it basically cripples you, so it's, uh, it's basically painful, hot, uh, you can't walk around, you're basically limping for a few days or a couple of weeks. Um, and it affects about 2% of the general population, uh, but it mostly affects 60-year-olds uh, and over. It affects about 10% of 60-year-olds uh, and over. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for gout. Um, Are you, and you're a sufferer? Yeah, I'm a sufferer. I'm in the minority. I got gout at the age of 26. Um, which is unusual because usually gout affects uh, older people. Why did I get it? For, for myself, it's genetic. I also suffer from a bit of thalassemia minor. 
it's, it's basically a, a blood disorder. It's nothing serious, but that's the root cause of me getting gout, uh, from what my doctor explained. Uh, and ever since I got gout at the age of 26, um, I decided afterwards to do more research uh, into the disease, learn more about it, and I learned a lot, and I decided to start blogging about it and basically developing a community uh, where gout sufferers can uh, basically talk about their experiences uh, and learn uh, what diet to follow, what foods to eat, what foods to avoid. Uh, there's a lot that goes into diet uh, when it comes to gout. Um, and also talk about medication treatments and uh, experiments and studies and so on. So um, I'm just scribbling down a bunch of questions here. Where are you most impacted with your gout symptomology? Symptom-wise, uh, I'm under control. Uh, I take allopurinol daily, uh, 100 milligrams, uh, and that helps to control uric acid levels. So if you suffer from gout, uh, usually you'll go see your doctor, you'll do a blood test, you'll see where the uric acid uh, level is at, and then prescribe you allopurinol accordingly, uh, and basically take that drug for life to help control your uric acid and keep it in the healthy levels, right? Uh, if you suffer from a gout attack, a uh, doctor can also prescribe colchicin, uh, which is a drug that you take uh, daily until the, uh, the symptoms subside, basically. Uh, you take that for a few days or until uh, the gout attack is gone. Uh, that's pretty much it when it comes to medical treatment. Uh, but afterwards, uh, following a gout diet is critical for not to worsen the disease uh, over time. So you basically want to avoid eating too much red meat, uh, uh, too much alcohol, uh, sugary foods uh, that are high in high fructose corn syrup, processed foods. Uh, those foods raise uric acid levels because uh, kidneys work harder to break those purines down. Um, let me explain something about uh, purines. Uh, purines are a chemical compound found in foods and drinks that are part of a uh, normal diet. You'll find it in every food and drink. It's just red meat, uh, seafood, alcohol, like beer, for example, has a higher proportion of purines than uh, a vegetable like salad or uh, broccoli, for example. So uh, when you, you eat too much purines in your diet, then your uric acid level goes higher in the blood, and that's what can cause gout. So you're at higher risk of developing gout. So the purines, um, so what are they chemically? Are they, they're, they're not an amino acid. They're found in food. Purines are found in food. So uh, basically it's just a chemical compound that's found okay. in food. And they're mostly uh, highly concentrated in meats, like chicken, red meat, pork, and so on, processed meats, uh, and also alcohol. Um, so you want to avoid those foods, uh, basically, or limit them at least. I, I recommend a diet where uh, a gout sufferer eats 80% of their daily calories as complex carbohydrates, so think fresh, fresh vegetables, legumes, beans for protein, 100% uh, whole grain breads, 100% uh, whole grain pastas and rice. Uh, I recommend 10% of their daily calories should be uh, protein, so there you could have lean cuts of meat, and, uh, like uh, turkey preferably, or chicken breast, fresh fish. Uh, try to avoid pork. Uh, processed meats are no-no. They're very mm -hmm. high risk for a gout sufferer. And cut, uh, cut down the red meat. If you do have, if you do like your steak, make sure it's lean. Uh, and don't have more than four to six ounces in one day uh, for meat. And then uh, the last 10% of the daily calories I recommend is uh, fat. So you could have Greek yogurt, uh, milk, uh, cheese, uh, eggs, and so on. Um, so, 
It's basically animal protein where the danger zone is for gout sufferers. The more animal protein uh, you consume, the more risk of uh, getting gout. So that's basically the, the diet that I advocate on my book and on my website at goutandyou.com uh, for gout sufferers. And what about the byproducts of uh, like dairy, for instance? Um, is that in the same classification or are we talking about flesh only? No, uh, dairy as well, because it comes from animal, right? Um, yeah. So a gout sufferer has to find that, uh, look out for those foods and limit them because the purine, the, the concentration of purines is, high, is at a higher level in uh, animal-based foods like in dairy and meat, product, and meat products. So is this... Um is this a, a kidney issue or is yes. this? It's a kidney issue that can't filter out the excess uric acid like uh, a normal person would uh, via the urine. And that excess uric acid just goes back into the blood and then crystallizes in the joint. So it's basically the immune system uh, can't fight it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, basically uh, it crystallizes in the joint and you get a gout attack. So are you supporting the kidneys in any integrative way or medical way as well as um, the symptoms? Yes. Uh, I recommend you drink a lot of water as a gout sufferer, at least 12 glasses a day to flush out excess uric acid. Uh, that will help a little bit. And then, I mean, there's ingredients you can take uh, like milk, milk thistle. Um, um, uh, there's um, milk thistle celery seeds, dandelions. Uh, you can even eat dandelions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, dandelion root, turmeric root, uh, bromelain. Uh, these are ingredients you can also find in supplements. I sell a supplement called NutriGout that carries these ingredients, and these ingredients help to cleanse the liver and the kidneys where uric acid is produced. Is it a detoxification problem through the yes. liver as well? No, mostly the kidneys, but they are interrelated. They are related with the, the liver, so the liver uh, counts as well, where uric acid is produced. And then, is there a risk in gout sufferers of kidney stones? Yes, you are at a higher risk of developing kidney stones. Uh, gout sufferers also at a higher risk of developing diabetes, um, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, having high blood pressure. So there are dangers. Uh, that's why it's important to control it through diet uh, and eating well uh, to avoid any uh, complications down the road. So basically, you're talking a, an anti-inflammatory diet is what we're talking about here. Yes, a clean diet, foods that burn clean in the body. So vegetables, will uh, takes only a few hours for the kidneys to break it down and process it, whereas meat can take up to 90 hours for the kidneys to break it down and process it. So that's a very big difference. And is there, are there any uh, upstream symptoms before the pain and the inflammation? Is there a change in the urine? No. Is there a smell in the you urine? Won't, you won't know nothing about it. There's no uh, signs or warnings that you're going to get it. You're just going to wake up. Usually gout uh, attacks occur in the middle of the night when, uh, when it's coldest and the body's coldest. Uh, and uh, usually you'll wake up, wake up around 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and you'll be in pain, uh, and you won't be able to go back to sleep. Uh, and then uh, that's pretty much it. When you get a gout attack, you, I recommend somebody can take some ibuprofen to relieve the pain. Uh, you could also ice it uh, a couple times a day, uh, or soak your affected joint in warm water and add Epsom salt. That will help uh, reduce some of the inflammation uh, to make the pain more bearable.
Now, you don't classify this as an autoimmune disease, do you? Yeah, it's an autoimmune disease. It is. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Like the arthritis is. They're in the same family, basically. And is there uh, a propensity more towards the female population versus the male, or is that any? does that have any bearing on anything? Yeah, I would say about three-quarters male, a quarter female. Why is that? Females uh, have... Um, uh, and natural uh, have natural estrogen until the age of 60 and after that uh that protects women up to that point but after the age of 60 they're more prone to getting gout that's why women over 60 uh are at a higher risk um of getting gout but before 60 it's very rare for a woman to get gout it's, it mostly affects men interesting what's the connection between estrogen and um gout uh, I think it, the estrogen lowers uric acid levels, from I remember from what I read, um, and that helps it to keep in check until after menopause, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then that's when the uric acid is more like a man's, and the levels increase for a woman. Now, when you get uh, um, like a regular, um, oh my gosh, physical uh, done, is... Mm-hmm. Uh, is this one of the blood uh, CBC, uh, you know, blood tests when they all over tests? You know, they'll test kidney function and everything like that. Would this be an? What number would we be watching on on a, a test? Under six, so the safe zone is under six uh, milligrams. Uh, DL, I think backslash DL is the, the term. Um, so when you speak to your doctor and you want to know your acid level, ask them what that number is. If it's under six, you're in the safe zone. If it's over six, you're in the danger zone. Uh, ideally, some doctors will say it's even better if it's four and a half and lower. Uh, four and a half, six is much um, trending higher, uh, and you could develop higher uric acid. But you could have high uric acid your whole life and not be symptomatic and never get gout. Uh, you could have a, a condition called hyperuricemia where you just have high uric acid, but you never develop the symptoms of gout or any other type of arthritis that could occur as well. Now, on, on the panel, is it called a uric acid uh, number, or is there another acronym for it? Uh, you're talking about the sheet that the doctor gives you yeah. to go do blood work? Yeah. Uh, yes, I believe so. It's uric acid or urate, uh, or it could be another term, maybe urate, uh, urate um, something which I forget right now. Now, did you have a family history of this, or are you the first one? No, I think I'm the first one. Yeah, I am the first one to suffer from gout due to the thalassemia because my case is genetic. Most other cases, the majority of cases are dietary. Mm-hmm. Uh, people get in trouble due to bad diet. Obesity uh, will put you at a higher risk of developing gout. If you suffer from high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease as well, you're more likely to develop gout at a higher risk as well. And that's due to diet. Eating too much meat in the Western diet, drinking too much alcohol, that will get you in trouble. And eating a lot of sugary foods, that will get you in trouble uh, over the long term. Interesting. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, Spirit, we're going to talk some more about this. Thanks. All right. Grace was a kingdom I stopped at the gate Thinking I don't deserve to pass through After all the mistakes that I've made Oh, but I heard a whisper 
as heaven bent down Said, child, don't you know that the first will be last And the last get a crown voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Spira Kalura. Am I saying your last name right, Spira Kaluris? Yeah, yeah, Excellent. perfectly, yeah. And we're talking about integrative approaches to dealing with gout. Um, we got a lot covered the first half of the show, diet and everything. The, one of the things that you mentioned is that it's called a rich man's disease. And why is mm-hmm. it tagged with that? Okay, so back in, we were talking maybe 1600s, 1700s in England, Ken Henry uh, suffered from gout. Uh, and it's a disease that affected the aristocracy, basically, in France and uh, England. It affected kings, uh, princes, and so on. And why would that be? They were, the, they were the only ones that had access to lots of wine, lots of rich foods, uh, uh, lots of meat, right? Whereas the peasants uh, in the farms would only have access to complex carbohydrates most of the time. They'd eat wheat, right? Vegetables, fruits, whatever they would grow. Uh, so it basically 
affect the aristocrats, and that's where it got its name as a rich man's disease. Now, it is. we talked about the genetic link. So if there are no genetics specifically, or if you said you had a condition that brought this on, can we get gout strictly from overloading our kidneys with um, a yes. poor diet? Or is this yes. a kidney dysfunction that leads to the inability? No, it's, it's, the, it's the dieting and eating too much meat, too much protein, lots of alcohol, fructose that damages the kidneys over time. And then the kidneys can't filter the uric acid via the urine, and that's where the uric acid crystallizes in the joints and you develop gout. So, so if, yeah, if, we eat, if we eat a diet that causes this condition and lack of exercise and so forth, can, mm-hmm. if there's no genetic predisposition, can a change of the diet cure this condition? Mm, that's the majority, I would say no. For the majority of gout sufferers, once you develop gout, you have it for life it's going to be extremely difficult to cure it. And I wouldn't advise uh, to do that because uh, what could happen to you is, uh, I, as long as, I, what I recommend is if you don't want to take medication and you want to try and treat this uh, via diet, consult your doctor, take a regular blood tests every six months to make sure that you're in the safe zone. Because if you go in the high zone and you start getting more gout attacks down the road, what's going to happen is, uh, you're going to start destroying the joints uh, of your foot, for example. If, it's, if it keeps coming back to your foot, the bones will start deforming over time, uh, and then uh, you could have bone erosion. Uh, so you want to avoid that. So uh, the majority will have to go on uh, the medication that I talked about earlier, which is allopurinol. But again, if you want to give it a shot and try and beat this uh, via dietary, a disciplined diet, uh, make sure you work with your doctor. Don't do it alone. So the question that popped into my mind when I was doing a little bit of back uh, researching on this is, why is the big toe uh, the area that's always associated with gout? It's the coldest part of the body. It's the extreme Ah. end of your body, and that's where uric acid acid crystals like to crystallize uh, the bones. Now, can we confuse, I guess you really can't confuse sort of a rheumatoid arthritis with gout. The tests are done right away. Yeah, uh, yeah, it could be confused. Uh, let's say you get in the knee, uh, in the hands. One might think it's arthritis, and they go in and it's gout. So always go to your doctor if you feel any symptoms, uh, and make sure you do your blood work uh, to see exactly what you have. Would a doctor who diagnoses you with rheumatoid arthritis automatically go and test for uh, uric acid levels? Would that be uh, yeah. necessary? They would. Yeah. Yeah, they would uh, take that box for sure. Any type of arthritis, they would take the box uh, to check the uric acid level. That's interesting. See all these things I, I never really knew. Now, with, with the symptomology, um, as you said, every food has some puric acid in it, uh, purines in it. Um, mm-hmm. Will symptoms, can they be abated? Or, for instance, in your situation... Can you feel an attack coming on, or is it like every... No, you won't feel it. It's very don't. sudden. It's very sudden. It just happens, and you, you're like, wow, what's going on? And it just hurts. Uh, I would say it's probably the worst pain. A lot of people would describe it as the worst pain. Uh, very painful. Where does it attack you the most? Is it, Or does it go all uh, over? It used to attack me in the big toe mostly. It's attacking the knee. I've had it once on the toe and knee. 
Uh, sometimes you would have to use crutches for a few days to get around. Really? The way. Yeah. It's very quick. It's very quickly. And it, it, outwardly, uh, is is there a redness to it? Is there a swelling? Yeah, there's a redness, and when you touch it, it's very sensitive. You, even when you sleep, uh, you don't even want the bed sheets on top of uh, your foot or uh, if, the, if those joints are affected. That's how sensitive the skin is to any type of pressure. So it's even the nerves, even the touch. Yeah, even the nerves, yeah. Touch, uh, yeah, exactly. Even bed sheets, as light as bed sheets, will, uh, you won't be able to tolerate and does this clear up if it's left alone, or you have to medicate and get it cleared out? It could clear up if left alone, but it takes too long. I wouldn't advise it. I would uh, advise you see your doctor, get the uh, uh, or NSAIDs, which are corticosteroids. Uh, they'll inject you with a needle. Uh, it's basically an anti-inflammatory, and I could get rid of it right away. Um, but other than that, it could take a month or more if you want to a month. Uh, beat it on your yeah, because it, the pain will uh, subside slowly, right, on a daily basis. So it could take uh, all an entire month and more to be fully gone. Well, what what would make that pain subside if you're not using any sort of um, stimulus to make it subside? Just the body, the, the, body the natural healing it. part of the body. Yeah. The Is there any other it. part of the body that's involved in clearing of the purines? That can be supported? Uh, no, it's the kidneys. You mean to process the purines? No, liver and kidneys to the digestion process. So being that it's an autoimmune condition, um, is there a, you know, are you, when you're working with people and you're talking to people about, you know, keeping things under wrap, do you make an association with the gut health? Yeah, there's been talk about the gut. Uh, I've done some research on it, but it's not conclusive enough to say that gut health is the root cause of uh, uh, gout uh, or any other autoimmune diseases. It's a theory at this point. Uh, but not even not a, like a, a root cause, but if, if you're supporting the gut, because the diet that you said, especially with the, the complex yeah, carbohydrates. The diet I talked about does support the gut, uh, and it, it's an alkaline diet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so your blood levels uh, do improve. Uh, you don't want to be your body to be too acidic. So, yeah, I would say it qualifies for being a gut health diet as well because you're eating mostly vegetables and uh, fruits grown from the earth. Now, have you ever seen children that have uh, had this condition? It's very rare, but yes, there are cases of children uh, developing gout, teenagers, and now there's an increase in young adults. And that reason is due to alcohol intake, right? When you're a young adult, you want to go out with your friends and get drunk, so... And adults should be extremely careful. And again, we got it. We've got to make this genetic connection with it in someone that young. Uh, yes and no, or it could be strictly very bad dieting from the onset. Because when I got down at twenty six, I was uh, obese, about forty fifty pounds overweight. I was eating a lot of Big Macs, drinking a lot of Coca Cola, mm. <laughs> uh, eating a lot of fried food. So that didn't help. So basically, I, if I was eating well, maybe I would have gotten a bit later because I had a genetic predisposition. But uh, um, diet will basically accelerate uh, your diagnosis. Uh, so, so somebody should be careful. Everybody should be careful. But everybody should be eating properly at mm-hmm. the end of the day because if it's not gouty, you might, you might become diabetic or you might get the cholesterol. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, something else uh, could come to your health. Now, what is the thalassemia? You've mentioned a couple of times that you have a thalassemia. 
It's a blood disorder that comes from the Mediterranean mostly, because I'm from Greek uh, background. Uh, it's basically, uh, I don't produce enough red blood cells. And are you doing so something? I take a supplement for that. Oh, you I do? Take, uh, um, uh, what's the supplement called? Um, folic acid, there. Yeah, I take some folic acid, and that helps to uh, balance things out. And is that a condition that you're you're having to deal with uh, constantly? No, that's too? not symptomatic. There's nothing symptomatic about no. thalassemia minor. I have very little. If you have a, a major thalassemia, yes, that's uh, that's very dangerous. Hmm. Um, so, okay, getting back to what you're writing about, what is your what is your community? Do you have a large community? Is this something that uh, you're very well engaged in with people? Um, it, it's it, it's it's a it's a good safe space for people to come talk to you in. It's it, uh, the website gathering.com is to go uh, learn uh, what foods to eat, what foods to avoid, what uh, medications are out there to treat the disease, uh, and other information. So basically, there's articles on and all kinds of foods, all kinds of diets. Uh, we talk about uh, dieting, and there's a lot of comments. So there's a lot of engagement in the community, people talking about their experiences and so on, and helping each other out. So it's a pretty, I would say it's the biggest site in the world probably for uh, uh, for gout right now. Um, and uh, we have an active social media uh, audience as well, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and so on. Um, and there too, you can find good quality information. I, I upload a lot of studies, uh, the latest studies on gout that come out. Uh, and um, yeah. But if you, in the studies that you're you're following, what progression do you see these studies going in? Uh, natural ways to approach it, prevention. What is the 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 most impact area you're seeing? Uh, there's no there's talks of cure down the road, maybe with stem cell research, nothing as of yet, of course. Uh, but that goes for every disease. Um, more more than that, it's mostly about foods. Uh, there's a lot of doctors and researchers doing experiments with foods to see which foods uh, are more sensitive to gout sufferers and which foods are more helpful. And that you can find my, on my website. Everything is listed there and up to date with the latest information. Does sleep or exercise or any of the lifestyle yes. um, things Lifestyle's impact? Lifestyle is very important. Yes, exercise. You want to maintain a healthy weight. You don't want to be overweight. That raises your acid levels and the risk of gout. So you want to, uh, if you don't like to exercise, just walk. Get a Fitbit and walk at least 10,000 steps a day. Uh, try and be active, uh, maintain your weight, uh, don't smoke, sleep your eight hours, that all helps. What's the connection between excess weight and gout? Or this is just an overall healthy... uh, Well, excess weight raises uric acid levels. Usually an obese person will have higher uric acid levels than someone that's at normal weight. Why is that? If if they're eating, like, if they're not eating red meat and they're just overweight, why would that raise the uric level? All right. All those foods that I mentioned raise the weight. So, fructose, for example, if you're overweight, you're probably eating a lot of fructose, sugary foods, processed foods, right? Mm-hmm. Fried foods, um, and so on. So all those foods raise your acid. Now, if you know when you you're a sufferer of gout and you've got the crystals that are settling into your joints, are there certain types of exercises that you should be staying away from? But will these crystals always remain in there, and they're just they're just aggregating more and less. You know what I'm saying? Either certain bending that maybe shouldn't be done, or is this not a problem? Well, if you're suffering from a gout attack, I, I don't recommend mm-hmm. you do any exercise. 
once uh, the gout attack subsides completely, you can go back to your exercise routine. Uh, I exercise, so um, st- you strengthen the strengthen the joints by doing some uh, some weights, right? Some exercises with weights. Uh, even walking strengthens the knees and, and feet. So uh, a mix of cardio and uh, some weight uh, weight training will help uh, gout sufferer. Other than that, the crystals usually will leave after a year uh, wow. if you're taking out with purinol. A so year? With, yeah, after a year, they will be completely gone. So someone who has this condition, how often, in, in general sweeps, how often would an attack happen? Uh, how often, if you don't treat it? If you are treating it, for instance, for yourself, are you getting attacks? Oh, no, if you're treating, you shouldn't get any gout attacks. At all? As long as you're careful. Well, not okay. if you, let's say, binge on uh, a bottle of red wine one night and you could get an attack. So if you continuously eat and drink uh, uh, and basically follow a bad diet, even though you're on locurinol, what's going to happen is your doctor will see that and uric acid level is always increasing over time and that he's always going to be, or she will always be increasing your dosage. So you're always going to get a higher dosage of allopurinol to maintain healthy uric acid levels. So that's something you don't want to do over the long term. So you want to maintain a healthy diet. So this is completely controllable? Yeah, it's completely controllable with medication okay. and diet. Yeah. Okay, just like a di- Just like a diabetic, same thing. A doctor will tell you to watch your diet and take your pill. Okay. We'll be fine. Now, what books have you written on the topic? I've written a one book, uh, The Ultimate Gout Diet and Cookbook. So basically, uh, it talks about the gout diet I just explained earlier, about eating 80% of your daily calories as complex carbohydrates, 10% as fat, and 10% as protein, and goes into more detail. Uh, and then there's uh, a, about 100 recipes uh, to get you started to start, you know, generating some new ideas because usually when you're eating bad right uh, it's uh, it's a difficult process mm-hmm. to transition to eating healthy so somebody uh, it, it helps somebody that doesn't know where to start uh, to check out some quick and easy recipes to get started uh, eating well excellent so if people are looking to find you you've got uh, your website which is goutandyou.com where else can we find you pretty much it. You can go on goutandyou.com. If you have any questions about gout, I answer all emails. Um, so email me. Uh, you can just go into the contact tab. It's info at goutandyou.com. Email me any question, and uh, I'll be happy to help your audience. And that's where they can find your book, or are you on some other sources? Yeah, my book is there. We sell on Amazon as well, so amazon.ca, amazon.com. We sell a book and supplements for gout. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much. It's very, uh, I've learned quite a bit today, quite a bit today, and I appreciate it. And I'm sure other people out there have learned quite a bit as well. So thank you so much, Spiro, for taking the time to join thank us you, today. Thank you for having me, yeah. No oh, problem. It's, it's our pleasure, it's our pleasure. And everybody, we will be talking to you next week on The Health Hub.
have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.